Okay, uh, we are here with the next uh, episode of the All Things Richmond podcast. Today we're here with Ellen Robertson, a city council person uh, in Richmond for the last 17 years, running for re-election this year. Uh, we will add that. Um, so I want to start just to give a people, people listening uh, some background on Ellen. And uh, one of my uh, clients, friends, and business heroes and mentors is a guy named Tom Papa of Fountainhead Development here in Richmond. So he gave me a quote to start. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, when I think of Ellen Robertson, I think of the rare politician who is in it for the right purpose. She's very dedicated to her constituents and to the city of Richmond. And very importantly, she knows how to get things done. Um, so from Tom, that's a pretty high compliment. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so let's just start with uh, why. Like, why did you decide to run for uh, office 17 years ago? And why are you running again this year? 17 years ago, I was running and nonprofit organization that built housing for first-time home buyers. I moved into the city and into a neighborhood that I bought the home that I was living in and not necessarily the community. I fell in love with this old Victorian home. Mm-hmm. And about a year after being there, working, going to school full-time, just got married, I took a bicycle ride one day and realized that there was a lot of blight in the community, a lot of vacant buildings, a lot of abandoned buildings, and I was really disturbed by the overall condition of the, of the community, and I decided that I didn't think I really wanted to live there, and I talked to my neighbor, who was a realtor, and asked him to put my house on the market. <laughs> And he, like Tom Popper and other folk, challenged me and said, who deserves to live in this community, Ellen, if you don't? And that has always resonated with me. And so we rolled up our sleeves and we started a nonprofit organization and actually bought some of the worst houses in the community and renovated them for first-time home buyers. And that's what I was doing 17 years ago when uh, some distinguished leaders of the city of Richmond knocked on my nonprofit door and asked me to consider running for city council, which I was quite surprised because it was never something that I'd considered doing. Mm -hmm. But they convinced me that my leadership in the community and the things that we were doing to get the right things done in the community, that they felt that I was best qualified Mm -hmm. to consider running for city council. Yeah. I had served on the planning commission as the vice as the chair mm-hmm. of the planning commission uh, prior to that, and so with much prayer and wa- much peace of mind, uh, I ran for city mm-hmm. council seventeen years ago. Yeah, that's great. Um, it's been a pretty wild seventeen years from the city of Richmond from a real estate development standpoint. Do you want to share with the listeners your, your district, what what uh, neighborhood your district uh, incl- includes? So my district is pretty large. Mm-hmm. We extend from uh, pretty much the Henrico County line almost to the Chesterfield uh, County line. It includes mm-hmm. the neighborhoods of Highland Park, mm-hmm. Botten Heights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pick up a piece of Eastview as well, uh, the east end part of the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much all of downtown from mm-hmm. 2nd Street to 14th Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of... Um, the uh, Manchester area, mm-hmm. uh, south of the river. And then we go down Jefferson Davis Commerce Road to pick up Bell Mead community. So gotcha. we, we extend from the port area 
and then back across the river north side as well. So yeah. it's a so pretty so we're, we're existing community. We're part of your district. Absolutely. Here at Fifth Absolutely. And Absolutely. So as we head into this uh, election cycle, um, uh, what do you think are the most important issues facing the city of Richmond over the next four years? Well, I think the crisis that we are facing right now is caused by the pandemic that we're dealing with. And um, that's changed a lot of things that I would have normally said were our top priority. Mm -hmm. Not that those things still aren't top priorities, but the pandemic is really uh, changed so much in the city of Richmond. It's drastically mm -hmm. uh, impacted our employment. It's drastically impacted businesses. Um, you know, like you just mentioned, how many of your employees are actually coming into the office versus people working at home. Mm -hmm. So the whole mode of operation of how we do business and how we are working has changed. Um, the unemployment has significantly increased. Uh, we are concerned as to how many jobs are actually going to come back. You know, mm -hmm. how many businesses are we going to lose in the process? And all of those things impact the city's revenue, mm -hmm. which means it impacts our capacity as it relates to delivering the mm -hmm. kinds of quality services that we'd like to provide. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, there are always gaps. There's always been gaps in funding as it relates to what we really want to do with Richmond Public Schools. Um, parents are very, very concerned about um, their children not receiving the quality of education at home remotely. Mm -hmm. uh, some neighborhoods are better prepared than others. As you very well know, the poverty rate in the city of Richmond is extremely high. And one of the reasons why our um, schools that are accredited, a lot of it has to do with the additional resources that is needed mm -hmm. uh, because of the high level of poverty that we have in our schools and children that come to school that just needs more resources. They're still mm -hmm. bright kids and they can still learn and they can do probably anything that anyone else can do mm -hmm. and be just as ambitious and excited, but they have failed to have the experiences and the opportunities just because uh, of their poverty. It doesn't afford them that exposure. So mm -hmm. parents are very concerned about their children. And we know in the state of Virginia, one of the indicators that is used to determine a child's success is whether or not they're reading to grade level at third grade. Most mm -hmm. kids are, you know, seven, eight years old at third grade. Mm -hmm. um, I've learned the hard way that one of the indicators that we use in the state of Virginia to determine whether or not a child is going to succeed is if they're reading to grade level at the third grade. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and when they aren't, those indicators are used to determine how many police officers we need, how many kids are most likely going to end up in the, you know, judicial system. Um, and, and so we expect that those, that we look at that as a means of measuring the pipeline to prison. And mm -hmm. so when you, there's an educational gap and when we have uh, the distant learning that we're dealing with right now, many, many parents, mm -hmm. uh, especially parents that have less means to offer uh, the kind of support system to their children at home are very concerned about that. Yeah. Um, businesses are concerned about, you know, are we going to open our doors back up to full capacity? We yeah. are operating at such a low level of capacity right now. Sure. That um, the financial impact, the emotional impact, 
And then the health issue itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of folks that have this, have this virus. Mm-hmm. And a lot of families have um, empty chairs mm-hmm. at their table, at their dinner table, um, because they've lost family members. And mm-hmm. so we're dealing with a lot of challenges from that perspective that is going to be quite challenging for us to deal with uh, in all of those ways. Um, and then, you know, the social unrest that we're dealing with. Um, mm-hmm which is a good thing in a lot of ways uh, mm-hmm. because it's addressing challenges and issues that we've been dealing with for a long time and they're sure. not resolved. Sure. Uh, we've made some progress in areas and, and we're grateful for that uh, progress that has been made. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Sure, sure. Yeah, the, um, you, know, you touched on a lot there. The, the downtown area, from a real estate perspective, you know, we've been in this part of the city for six years, and you felt all this momentum when it comes to real estate development and energy and activity. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, momentum builds upon itself, and then the lack of momentum builds upon itself. And, you know, uh, if you watched the, the, the presidential debate last night, and you had Trump saying, open up now. You had Biden saying, we need to wait. And it depends, it depends on when you ask me. I would tell you which one I agree with, right? In a way, I feel like we need to open back up. In a way, I feel like we need to be very uh, patient and um, think about safety first. Um, for these businesses down here, like restaurants, for example, um, they don't have the business daytime lunch folks. Mm-hmm. You don't have the mm-hmm. hotel travelers at night. And, they're, and for the first three months of the pandemic, landlords and lenders uh, could afford to be patient. Say, sure, wait, you know, don't pay rent this month. Don't pay rent next month. But eventually... Banks are going to want their money. Yeah. Want their money. And then these businesses are stuck in the middle. Well, I can't run at full capacity. Do I open? Do I close? Uh, so it's a really tough spot. Um, and I, I'm not sure I have the answers. Um, but uh, so transitioning, I guess, into a topic that affects Richmond and really all cities is affordable housing. I know this is something that you've <clears throat> been dealing with for 17 years, right? Yes. yes. Um, as you've been on the council and you've probably seen the need for affordable housing accelerate in the last few years. Um and it's a tough nut to crack, right? There's no just one one size fits all answer. So, from the city's perspective, what what can and should the city do uh, to ensure that we have enough adequate, quality, safe, affordable housing for the residents that need it? Yeah, you know, um, I think fundamental to all of our success is having uh, permanency in housing mm-hmm. and housing that we can afford to live in, and that is uh, good, safe, sound housing that. The electricity works. Uh, um, mm-hmm. The roof doesn't leak. Sure. You know, the porch is stable. Um, and, you know, many of our families have housing, but they are living in housing that is not up to code. Mm-hmm. Um, many families that are living in housing that um, they can't afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, seniors uh, have housing that... They can't afford to keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. But then there are so many other folks that have no housing at all. Or they're moving from place to place, um, sometimes in their cars, sometimes um, at a neighbor, with a neighbor or a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, the cost of housing in the city of Richmond is continuing to increase, as we have seen with our recent assessment in property values, they have increased. In some cases, you know, um, double digits, um, 38 40% increase in property values in some sectors of our communities. And 
what happens is that that is usually driven by house sales. Um, that causes a lot of the uh, value to go up. But when sale prices go up, so does rents. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is that the inventory of houses begin to increase. When when you see houses in a neighborhood going from, you know, $150,000, $200,000 home to three hundred to $400,000, that's a huge jump in a very short period of time. And so what happens in, with the rental housing, the same thing happens. So people that have been living in a 55-year-old female that uh, is still working, it's just her, she's taking care of herself, she's got enough income to be able to live in a quad or a duplex or something of that nature that is more than adequate for her, um, cannot afford that same uh, housing space anymore. Mm -hmm. So we are in desperate need. And what's happening also is that we are aggressively losing our middle-class population Mm -hmm. in the city of Richmond. Um, And not only in the city of Richmond, I think we are concerned about losing our middle-income population overall. Mm -hmm. And so the need for affordable housing... I know that lots of folk are pushing us to make sure we build housing for families at 30% of the area medium income and less. So mm-hmm. 30% of the area medium income means that an individual is living off of 18000 16 to $18,000 a year. Uh, mm-hmm. For a family of four, that's about $25,000 a year. So there's a big push to provide housing for that income level. Mm-hmm. Um, but what robs that population of housing opportunities is when there is no housing available and affordable Mm -hmm. to what we consider middle-income families. Mm -hmm. And so middle-income families become, they they have enough money Mm -hmm. to be able to take up that void Mm -hmm. in that housing. And so what happens is that that low-income family it's just absolutely without any housing choices, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of it is because we're not providing the l- level of housing that we really need to be providing for the families that are 60% and 80%. And, right. you know, and unless people <clears throat> understand that dynamic of that, you know, mm-hmm. they over frequently um, go to where that bottom line is. But mm-hmm. if we don't provide for that 80%, 60% area medium income, they will be the consumers of the other lower-income market of houses, and that's what's happening to a great extent in the city of Richmond. Um, I'm grateful. Uh, Like you said, I was doing affordable housing. I started this career, like I said, in my neighborhood, doing affordable Mm -hmm. housing for (coughs) first-time homebuyers to become homeowners. Um, And when I look at all of my colleagues on city council, everyone is talking about affordable housing in the last year too, which is very encouraging for me. (laughs) It's extremely encouraging for me because for a long time, you know, I felt like, you know, I was pushing this envelope myself, uh, Mm -hmm. but everybody is pushing affordable housing. And I think it's because we began to realize that, you know, affordable housing is is has such a broad need, and mm-hmm. and it co- and it covers a large spectrum of folk mm-hmm. as far as income. I'm very pleased. I was in Manchester this weekend, and I was very pleased to meet several residents that are living in housing <clears throat> that's been recently developed mm-hmm. by our local developers. Um, mm-hmm. That includes a good share, mm-hmm. not 
enough by no stretch of the imagination, but sure. certainly by choice. Mm-hmm. Our local developers in Manchester have been very um, sensitive and willing yeah. and have invested in providing affordable housing uh, in the Manchester community area. And, you know, and I was extremely encouraged by meeting several of the residents mm-hmm. that spoke to that uh, yeah. from young uh Folk that are just coming out of college, you know, looking for a decent place to live as well as senior citizens. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, as a developer, you know, it's building affordable housing is challenging. A lot of the financing options available to us um, um, incentivize housing for 80% AMI. But as you know, that isn't that affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. barely different than market rate Absolutely. You know, housing. And Absolutely. To the, to the price points you mentioned, 30%, 60%, it's, it's challenging. There's our, there are programs out there like LIHTC and some other programs that developers can use uh but it's still very challenging and and this i, I want to thank you and others at the city at the city council level who've been working with developers hand in hand to develop programs that will actually work at scale mm-hmm. right um if we build one or two houses that's great but if we need three thousand and we're building a hundred a year then it, it's not it's never going to tackle that problem uh and to your point some developers in manchester you know fountainhead and links and some of those folks mm-hmm. and some others are building some really quality quality affordable housing they but, have. but we need more which often leads into the zoning discussion, right? So, like, affordable housing kind of bleeds right into zoning because um, not all zoning allows it. Not all, not all neighborhoods uh, uh, want it, you know, and, and fight it. And so if you go to get that rezoning or that special use permit, um, uh, it's, a, it's a process, and sometimes it's a fight. And so uh, what is the city thinking about from zoning moving forward um, to not, not just affordable housing but for all, you know, to enough density, enough housing? What is the city doing now to tackle that over the next 10 years? Well, you know, we're in the process of putting together a master plan for the city of Richmond. And one of the things that I'm really pleased with in the master plan is uh, a lot of attention is being put on zoning. We, Mm -hmm. of course, you know, we're going to have to do a a rezoning plan (coughs) to accompany the master plan once we get the master plan adopted. So there's still a lot of work that needs to be done from the zoning perspective. Um, But Density and increasing our density in the city of Richmond is an absolute must. Sure. It has to be done. Uh, we are a landlocked city. We do not ha- have a lot of extra land mm-hmm. uh, for uh, large-scale development. So density and going high—excuse <coughs> me—going high mm-hmm. is going to be one of those challenges that we sure. that we have to do. Excuse me. Yeah, sure. The. Uh, <coughs> You know, for years, we talked about this last week, uh, for the, those folks listening, we interviewed all the city council candidates and mayoral candidates last week, and um, it was refreshing to hear how many city council candidates and mayoral candidates discussed density, density along transit, which it's amazing how far in four years we've come as a city as far as just awareness of that, right? For years, uh, a developer would have to find a parcel, go get it entitled, spend a year or two doing that, and then then build, you know, something more than three stories. Um, with the rezoning that took place in Scott's Edition, um, you saw what that did. The market responded pretty quickly. I think there's 2,500 units being built as we speak mm-hmm. in Scott's Edition, and all of that's along transit, right? And now a lot of that's market rate. A lot of it's not affordable. Um, but um, it, it, it seems like we're all kind of in agreement that we need to, uh, with the Richmond 300 plan, increase density incre- from a zoning standpoint along these transit nodes so that we can develop faster. And, and the more housing begets more affordable housing, right? Um so, and a so, lot of it is about leveraging your income levels within your home in your right. development. Is mm-hmm. that um, 
we are working very closely with the developers and we've been mm-hmm. working with them now for more than a year right looking at different ways that we can be able to provide the kinds of incentive and the gap financing we have right. some very successful nonprofit organizations that are at the table as well mm-hmm. that does this work all the time mm-hmm. uh, like I did as a nonprofit before coming on city council uh, so a lot of it is understanding the different methods of financing. It, a lot of it is providing a mixture level of affordable housing with any in any one developer mm-hmm. development. So, if you have you know development at fifty percent area of the median income, sixty percent, eighty percent, and then above, then many times families can stay within that. Ha- they can continue to grow mm-hmm. uh, financially. Right. And yet, still be able to have uh, housing opportunities right within the community that they're in, mm-hmm. uh, and and not lose the benefit of their 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 community in the process. And that was one of the other things that I observed uh, this past weekend in Manchester as well. Some of the families that I spoke to uh, were telling me that they wouldn't be there long, and I'm saying, well, mm-hmm. "Where are you going? And you're not leaving the city, are you? <laughs> you know?" And they'll say, "No, no, no. They're building a new." apartment complex right next door and uh, I've made an application and I'm moving there, you know. And so those are the kinds of uh, opportunities uh, when we're looking at development that we put a diversity of levels of housing in those unit in those development so that we can continue to accommodate when we talk about mixed income. Mm -hmm. That's what make a community uh, seamless because, you know, you know, because I'm a 30% area medium income family and I'm living next door to a family that is 120% area medium income, mm-hmm. but we're all living in that same community and enjoying the same quality of life right. and can add to the fabric of the community and therefore be able to afford additional amenities in the community that we desperately need. Sure. So, uh, I mean, so all of that builds yeah. quality community in the process. And that example you gave, like, how great is it if that 30% income level can walk to work or bike to work or take transit to work so you don't have the added expense of a car, of parking, Absolutely. et cetera. And so I agree mixed income is, is the way to go. Density with mixed income is along transit is a is the answer. It's just hard to get you know from here to there. We see Richmond transitioning from this you know kind of outdated city to trying to enter the new world. And you know, I think they're doing a decent job. I think uh, obviously certainly people love to critique the city and city government, um, but they don't always feel how, how hard the jobs are, right? You know, the, the job of the mayor, the job of city council, yeah. um, the folks that work at the city, how hard it is, you know, in planning and, and, and these other departments that, that catch a lot of grief. Um, what I do like is seeing how the city is starting to work together, um, the mayor and city council, city council and developers, um, the developers in the planning department, you know, all that. Obviously, you hear you hear all the negative. It's it's but when you get to know the people, you realize there's a lot of good people in all those places trying their best, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. Well, uh, really appreciate you taking the time. You know, I, I see why Tom Papa and others speak so highly of you because you 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 have a good feel for where Richmond has been and where we kind of where we need to go. Uh, you certainly care about your constituents, and you also can work with the development community and others to to work together to make things happen. So I really appreciate your time. Do you have any closing thoughts or anything else you'd like to share with us today? Well, you know, I spoke to the pandemic as one of the is a crisis situation that mm-hmm. we're dealing in, but I also want to emphasize the significance of us 
really filling in our pipeline for economic growth and economic development in the city. Yeah. We've got lots of vacant land in the city of Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say Route 1 mm-hmm. uh, because that's probably going to be the new name. Don't know that for sure. Sure. Uh, downtown, you know. For a city that needs revenue as desperately as the city does, Mm -hmm. to have the volume of vacant land that we have, I mean, prime real estate. I'm not Mm -hmm. talking about scattered sites here and there. Right. Prime real estate. Uh, I am encouraged that this uh, potentially crisis that we're dealing with, Mm -hmm. if it gets deeper uh, with the pandemic, that this is our creative opportunity to really start looking at that vacant land and start uh, filling our pipeline for economic development opportunities, providing whatever those incentives that we need. You know, if that means uh, looking at our land, investing in capital improvements to get land prepped and ready for development, mm-hmm. especially on Jefferson Davis, Commerce Road, mm-hmm. and downtown. In yeah. the 6th District, we have a huge volume mm-hmm. of land, and much of it in downtown is owned by the city of Richmond. And so I think uh, it's just essential that we work with the development community right now, mm-hmm. put those incentives pl- in place, put in the infrastructure for the kind of development that we want to see. And let's roll out of this economic crisis that we're experiencing right now with a pipeline booming and ready for development so that we can get people back to work. People can be making the kinds of salaries that they need to. We can address the inequalities and the inequities by, I've passed a paper to mandate that a city has an economic um, and social and uh, justice, social justice, uh, equity, and equality policy that we have to follow. We've already adopted legislation that I passed for an affordable housing plan. We've already adopted a homeless plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a new economic development plan that's coming before us. Mm-hmm got held back simply because they felt like they hadn't addressed the equity um, in the inclusion that was needed in that plan. So Richmond is prepared. I mean, Mm -hmm. the hard decision-making, and then with the master plan rolling out as well, Richmond has the blueprint. We've Mm -hmm. done the hard work. And now all we have to do is overlay that with that economic equity and inclusion plan to accompany the master planning that has already been done for the city of Richmond. Mm -hmm. And I think we can be ahead of the curve Mm -hmm. and rebounding tremendously uh, from the slump that we're in at the present time. Sure. Sure. I agree with all that. And uh, I think the Richmond development community would, uh, would agree with that as well. And so I think we're all on the same, same page here. Uh, Well, thank you again for your time. Best of luck in the upcoming uh, election, and thanks for all that you do for the city of Richmond. Thank you. Appreciate the work that you're doing as well. Doing a great job. Thank you.